Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Today we have Raphael of the We Are Not Here to Please You podcast. Uh, they are based out of Finland, so that is so exciting to me. Their podcast is really great. I was a guest once. I'm on an episode called How Comfortable Are You? And for some reason we ended up talking about peeing on ducks. And uh, my good friend James uh, texted me and said that that made him laugh really hard. So that was nice to hear. Uh, Raphael and R2 are just really cool dudes. They're really funny, really nice, smart. Uh, Raphael, I know, is a huge comedy nerd because we talk about that a lot in this episode. We get some... A lot of good talking about comedy, uh, so it's a big episode for comedy fans, and uh, their show's really cool. If you're listening to this the week ago post, their most recent episode, they had Eddie Brill on. Eddie Brill, who worked for Letterman, you may recognize him from the episode of Louie when they're playing poker, uh, just a huge name in comedy. We've also had some mutual guests with uh, Kevin Bertini and Adam Lash, so you could check them out on We Are Not Here to Please You. They've both been on twice. And Adam's been on in here twice, and Kevin's been on once. Really, those I really like those guys a lot too. So those are great episodes. Um, I like listening to "We Are Not Here to Please You" because they both have cool accents. R two uh, is from Finland, and Raphael is from Germany, so their accents are great, and then they're just really funny. So it's 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 just a ton of fun. Uh, make sure you check out their website. We are not here to please you. Dot dot blogspot. We are not here to please you. Blogspot.fi, and on Twitter at w a n t p h y. Oh, I get it. We are not here to please you. And um, check out their show. You're gonna you'll look through there and be like, wow, you guys have some really fucking cool guests. Because that's uh, that's what I've been doing recently. I was like, damn, dude, you guys have been getting some really great guests. So I just so happy to have uh, Raphael on. Uh, actually, this is the second time we've recorded this episode because last time um there were some technical difficulties i don't know exactly what happened but basically i lost the episode which was really disappointing but Raphael was so kind he's like yeah sure i'll come back and do it again and now it will air finally a uh, quick plug for my show check out let's chat on the internet uh the website that we use is for our wonderful podcast network the misfits network.com uh the misfits network uh, find our show on iTunes, hit subscribe, leave a review, please. It's helpful for the show. Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you find podcasts. God, the other day I, I checked out a site called podcast.com, and my show was on there, and I don't know how it got there, but I got real excited. And uh, find us on Twitter at Let's Chat Podcast, Facebook, and uh, shoot us an email if you like at Let's Chat Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again to Raphael, and let's get into it. In the future... Humans create AI. Three days later, they have sex with it. Gigahose is a robot sex comedy with what's been called a South Park level of shock value. Creators Adam Lash and Kevin Gilligan take their concept in smart, surprising directions. It's been described as pure genius with a real clerks-like charm. Catch season one now at youtube.com slash gigahose. Sardines for dinner. Peace 
Mr. Broad G, Brucey B, get your brain. Funk, flash the flex, love, funk, star, ski. Your show, you guys are like pros because you guys always have good sound quality. Yeah, we we, we made it a yeah we made it a point like um I don't know at what point around we got the new gear I think around twenty or thirtieth episode and well we got a decent mixer decent mics and well my co-host is in a band so he knows one or two things about yeah microphones and equipment yeah it's it's funny because like even like uh. A good podcast that I like with a, a guest I want to hear. If it sounds really bad, I just can't do it anymore. Like I've got, like I don't need like perfect studio quality, but like sometimes I don't know if you ever listen to other podcasts and like even some of the bigger ones, I'll get like annoyed where like there's things I should just edit out and they don't, and I'm like, why? Why would you not do that? Absolutely. Or what I catch most of the times that the levels are actually a bit too low, in my opinion, because I always listen over Bluetooth headset, you know? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Same here. When I do it on the, in the car, and I'm like, I have to turn my volume all the way to max and then turn the phone all the way up. Yeah. And then you still kind of hear mostly surroundings and you're going to still have to give it a close ear. Yeah. 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 <laughs> awesome. Well, um, so I... Thank you again for doing this. Let me explain to the listener. Uh, well, you are the co-host of the incredible podcast, We Are Not Here to Please You. And you were not only nice enough to have me on your show and do this show, you came on the show once before, and due to some technical difficulties, um, some computer error, I lost a bunch of ep- like I lost like three episodes, and sadly, one of them was yours. And even though all that, you still – and then now, so this is our second time recording the same episode because you are very, very kind. So thank you for doing that. Well, last episode is code for, like, the content was horrible. Oh, I wish that's what the case was. <laughs> no, yeah, I, it, it can happen. Uh, I mean, with all kinds of technology, there yeah. is bound to be some hiccups, and yeah, you, like a, you can't avoid it. Yeah, I think that's the thing. The more you do them, the more room for error that you have. That's what I, because like the more episodes I've recorded, the more I've lost. Because there was a time where I think I never, I was like doing so good, didn't lose anything, everything was great. And then actually, even just recently, like maybe two weeks ago, I recorded a really one that I have been setting up for like almost the whole, probably like nine months. Um, he's a television writer uh, for Workaholics, and then he hosts this amazing podcast called uh, The Hollywood Handbook. The only reason we got connected is because our moms know each other. It was kind of like a small <laughs> world, so really nice dude. And so it came on, and my and my Skype recorder said it was recording, and then some hiccup went through, and, I, and it only recorded six seconds of the whole episode. Well, luckily, we, we don't go over a Skype recorder because we run that whole thing over the mixer, so the line-in picks it completely up, so we can avoid this kind of technical difficulty. So you um you guys are you're you're based in Poland and you've had some pretty impressive guests. In Finland? Finland, I'm sorry. Why did I say Poland? Uh <laughs> well, Finland. I, I'm technically born in Poland, but I'm German but live in Finland, maybe. That was in the back of your head. Yeah, I knew it was Finland. I think it was the la- <laughs> what did I just watch? Something I just watched something to do with Poland and I think that's why I was thinking Poland. Some World War II documentaries. 
<laughs> it was a short episode. <laughs> Too soon? No, that was great. You know what the weird thing? I, well, it was kind. I was gonna say it was kind of a documentary, but it was it was uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh yeah. So it opens in Poland. Yeah. But uh, I was like, wait, that's not a documentary. That's <laughs> that's not how that happened at all. We did. Well, I I wonder how many Americans thought that this one is true. I mean, just judging by like how yeah, many people believe of belief of the lizard people theory. And... <laughs> what is with people? Oh my god, you're not even kidding. And the funny thing, I, I do have this feeling there's someone out there like America. So glad we killed that Hitler and stopped the Nazis. And like, that's not how it happened. And you know, we got to that war like a little late. It's a little embarrassing. <laughs> it's kind well, of it's it's because. Well, it's because uh, not Japan uh, kicked over your soda, and then it became personal. Fucking Japan. <laughs> what other countries least... people shit on while we're here? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that's how they depicted it in Robot Chicken in the funny, like, uh, little skit, like, uh, classroom, and that represented World War Two, and Japan accidentally kicked over America's well, soda or something, soda can. <laughs> And then the American uh, student was just like, now it's personal. <laughs> that's, a, that's awesome. Uh, you, actually, it's cool because we've actually had some mutual guests. Uh, we both had on Adam Lash. Yeah. Did you have Kevin Gillian on too? Uh, not yet. It's um, still in the planning. We are just so horribly booked out in the moment that we didn't got to do that yet. We had Adam Lash twice on, Kevin Bartini we had twice on. I think that's our only lap over. But you also, who, I always forget her name, and I meant to write it down. Um, you had someone from Clerks, which still blows my mind. Yeah, Marilyn Gigliotti, the one and only. And now, how did you, get, how did, I gotta ask, just on a personal, how the fuck did you manage that? I just blindly wrote the whole cast of Clerks, <laughs> each of them, and she replied. And that's I was awesome. one... One happy camper then. A nervous wreck before and while, so if you guys, the listeners, check that one out, I sound like a bumbling idiot and keep re uh, repeating phrases like, one thing I wanted to ask, one more thing I wanted to ask. It's like, um, I forgot all the rules of interviewing or how to have a decent conversation. I've definitely been there, but I, I would have a hard time keeping – there's just certain people I think I can't I, – I feel like I'm going to have a hard time – like, you know, I have to, like, prep myself for because, like, you know, you know I'm sure you've seen clerks before. You saw Matt talk yeah. to her and, like, sometimes you feel like you get to know someone without knowing them. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a weird feeling. Like, it's a relationship you build. Yeah, and also she's very sweet once in a while, you know, I shoot her a message on Messenger and, you know, we kind of have a couple of sentences forward. And like, she's just a sweetheart. She's just amazing. I could never say anything bad about her because she's just being always so nice and also interesting, like how our show is go going. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to have her also eventually back on. I think we last time we talked, uh, we said like, well, well, once you can talk about Clerks Free, you know, again, like we might have an earlier back on, but it's in a moment like a nightmare with scheduling. And how how far ahead are you guys time wise? Uh, well, we haven't recorded them yet, but we are like booked out for the next four months. Oh my god, you guys are busy. 
Yeah, well, every second episode is an interview episode for your listeners. So I, um, each other ep- episode, it's just me and my co-host, just a love between each other, you know, just riffing on stuff, what we read or what happened in our life or maybe what pisses us off, you know, that we can just like let it out and... Yeah, you guys are funny together, because I listen to some of the episodes where it's just the two of you, and you guys crack me up. Yeah, that's how we started out, just doing that. And once, um, like, the guests kept lining up, we said, like, well, what if the guest part, interview part, is maybe for certain listeners not as appealing, you know? I mean, well, at least let's give them what they love to learn, what they learn to love, you know? And... Well, that also this portion is satisfied. Plus, I would actually kind of pretty much miss it if this portion wouldn't be any more there because it just fits between us. Now, how did you? Um, how did you and your co-host uh, R two correct? That's his name. Yeah, R two. Right. How did you guys get connected? Oh, that's that's been so long time ago. I don't know. It's for oh. uh, a bunch of years back. Uh, he. The gothic scene in here is relatively small, so he had a band, so eventually you knew somebody that knew him, but we were never actually close. It was more like, well, we see us at a party, have a couple of you know drinks together, and that's about it. We only actually became real friends once we started the podcast, and well, since then, apparently, we are inseparable. That's fun, though, like... Um I started this show with somebody, and then I think that was my fantasy, that we would become really good friends, and that did not happen at all. And um, mm. they left. But, like, so I think that's pretty cool, though, because, like, it, there's something about having, like, a passion towards something with somebody. It's got to be a much more, uh, less so, um, lonely experience. Like, I love doing it, but it's just, I mean, I do every, every little aspect of it is me. And there's more often than not, I'm like, God damn it, I wish I had a co-host. So I guess I'm going to edit and fucking post and do all the shit I hate. Well, if I would be in a better time zone, I would jump in. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So you guys have been um, – well, it's funny because you seem to be the one that – the when you guys do interviews, you're the one that seems to talk more and he's more of the quieter of the two. Yeah, because like the Finns tend to kind of be ra- uh, rather reserved and like, well, let him speak and be polite. And I'm like, I have so many things to ask. Yes, yes you haven't finished your answer, but I have already like 27 questions <laughs> to add. So, and I, I honestly just love talking to interesting people, and it's it's definitely a passion thing. I'm really glad that we got to do so many amazing interviews. But I think it's really like because like the Finns are rather reserved and polite and well I'm not. <laughs> well, it works though though because you guys have a good dynamic because I think you need to have the so, the extrovert introvert thing going. If you're two extroverts or two introverts, it's just not going to work. Like yeah, and, and, He's... and he doesn't talk as much, but everything he does say has value. So that's why like so it continue it works out really well. Yeah, he's my wing to my wang. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not very clever, but I'm tired, so that's got it. Yeah, what time is it there? Because it's like nine something here in the morning. Uh, I think it's like almost half five p.m. That's so weird. I'm just waking up, and you're just having dinner. Yeah, I wish. Almost dinner. <laughs> well, yeah, still. That's uh, I I I know why we have time zones, but they I still can never seem to understand them. I'm like I get so confused. I'm like, wait, it's a different time somewhere. What? 
and I got very familiar with like uh, especially the well North American time zones because of our interview guests because they're mostly based there. I'm always happy when we get somebody from the East Coast because then I, we only have to deal with like seven hours instead like of the West Coast where you have ten hours and try to get a comedian on at like 10 a.m. Oh, God, you're not doing that. Yeah, it's kind of hard to do that. And at this point, it's for us already like 8 p.m., you know? Do you guys do the same thing? Like, I do this thing where, like, varying on the guest, I'll bend over backwards in scheduling for them. If it's, like, the more I want the guest, I'll, like, do anything. If they're like, I can only record at, like, 6 a.m., I'm like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> well, we are rude to everyone equally. Equally now, rude. Yeah. Now, in, in the end... You may kind of like here and there some bit bending, but to a certain degree. I mean, like it still in, can't interfere too much with our personal life. Let's say, you know, like um, if that person could only do it on a Tuesday in our time, it would be like 11 p.m. And well, Artu or the girlfriend needs to get early up for work. So, of course, that's not going to work. Yeah, that that does. Life gets in the way. Yeah. Do your friends and your family like? Are they all? Do they listen, or is it kind of like this? I know it's like this cool thing you get to do in a vacuum and express it with strangers you meet online that you become friends with. I think it's more the vacuum. I think my dad's uh, dad is sometimes listening here and there, but his English isn't that good, so he kind of can only handle that much in a row before you know, like the brain starts smoking, and. Otherwise, friends, I think a couple because our download statistics show certain numbers based in Finland. And you guys so, are on uh, the Pod God Network. Yeah, and the Rock and Comedy Radio. Now, how did you get on the radio thing? That thing, I think, is pretty fucking cool. I think they contacted us. That's amazing. And so, like, if people in is like a, uh, there's a radio station that plays your episodes. Mm, yeah, we could also play them live, but like uh, lately, like there was so much like different days where we kind of recorded that well that we didn't got to do it live. I've never done live yet. I uh, it's been talked about, but I don't I don't know. Yeah, yeah. and about about the Podcasts Network, it was also a funny story because we were prior on a rather big network. I'm not now saying the name, not because we had any beef or parted ways in a bad way. They just literally disappeared and the site was suddenly offline and I never heard anything back. I, we owned them a lot, you know, they were pretty good to us, but suddenly they weren't anymore there. What was sad because it was a good, you know, good thing we had going. And then while well, I went to Twitter and said like, well, it looks like that we are homeless. Let's see if we can find a new network. And like within, I think, five minutes, like people suggested that network and the dude that runs it. So it's like, hey, yeah, come, we would welcome you. That's so. How much uh, is your show U.S. based? Because you have a lot of U.S. guests. Well, the biggest part is definitely the U.S., uh, Canada, and the U.K. U.K. came now lately. I think like in the last four months or so. Dude, I've been noticing a lot for at least my show. I've been getting a lot of international and like the la- consistently UK, consistently. And I don't know anyone in the UK. So if anyone from the UK is listening, thank you. And I don't know who you are, but thank you so much because it, it. I don't know if you get the same feeling, but like 
It's all, you know, you always have, I don't know, I always have a certain number I want to hit per episode, and then I get really happy if, when I, if I hit it, which I almost always do, and then when I see international downloads, for some reason, those make me so fucking happy. <laughs> I get so well, excited. Well, especially, like, when you have a great guest, then you kind of hope for a decent number, especially when it was a great episode, because you just want people to hear that. Do you ever great have the experience. thing uh, where you put out an episode... And you have this number, and then it doesn't get hit, and then like weeks go by, and then one day everyone and their mother comes and downloads this episode. You're like, what? So sometimes it's a timing thing, right? Like, because I've noticed I put out episodes that don't get downloaded at all, and then just one day I put out an episode, and then an episode six weeks ago becomes very popular and just explodes for I don't yeah. know. It happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I notice like there's almost no timing. I don't know what people. The more you do it, the more people find it, and the more guests you have on, lead more new viewers. Mm. So I think it's um, it's pretty fucking it, it's cool. It's it's a gamble, basically. You can't predict it, yeah. Yeah, a gamble which we don't win or lose anything except our own mm-hmm. happiness. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, you uh, fellow comedy fan, I know, because I know I remember when we talked last time, you were talking about dabbling in the world of comedy. Oh, actually, yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of, like, stand-up comedy, comedy in general. It's just something that I enjoy. I think that's also the, why we took the route of kind of making our co- podcast more comedic. And maybe also the reason, like, that many of our guests happen to be stand-up comedians. And certain of them, kind of like uh, Steve Matflap McGrew, that was, uh, by the way, just again on our show. I don't know when this one now drops, but I, it's like two or three episodes ago. It's called uh, Steve McGrew, The Mightly Depressed Lightning. And this dude was just like so welcoming and nice. We became friends and because he kind of thought I have comedic potential, and we started like writing jokes, actually co-written a few jokes that if he gets his new comedy special up, one or two of them, our co-written jokes that I came up with are going to be in that comedy special. Holy shit, dude. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I told him here, you know, you're going to need to give me a bullshit credit so that I can have a IMDb entry. Yeah, you would <laughs> you would totally have like a credit to your name and like stuff. Wow. And that's all just from, from podcasting. Yeah, they, he had just a good time on our show, and we kind of kept just riding forward and back. So it just, we just hit it off. Also, like um, another thing we maybe want to try to do, but it's not even in the planning stages yet. Uh, we had the great Eddie Brill on our show, worked for like 17 years for the David Letterman show, was the talent coordinator, was like, I don't know how many times actually the stand-up on that show. And, well, after we recorded the interview, he asked, like, hey, how does the comedy scene look in here in Tampere, Finland? And I was like, well, pretty bleak, pretty much non-existent. And he said, like, well, maybe we should try to pull off a comedy festival or something like that. Oh my god, dude, that's amazing! And I know that I know is when you said his name too. I knew his name. I didn't know that he was the Letterman guy. He was also on the TV show Louis. Yes, that's Louis probably CK. why. That's probably why I yeah. know him. The poker table scene, and he yep. actually has like a comics only poker game every Monday since like twenty years, and that was kind of inspired by it. 
Oh, that's the one where they talk about the um, the word faggot, I believe, correct? Yeah, yeah. Not burning at the sticks. It was a really intense episode. That was a really good episode. Yeah, and anyway, like from, from that, they got the inspiration from that. And once he uh, suggested that whole comedy event thing, I thought, like, hmm, why not? Let's look into it. I actually have for next week, uh, we are scheduling with him like a Skype call and well, gonna go like what it might take, you know, what we kind of need to look out for, like get, like, you know, some pointers. Dude, that's amazing. It's a, I love the opportunities that can come from the podcast and then just working hard and being nice. Well, I already hit Steve McGrew up and said, like, you know, if that thing happens, you're going to come. And yeah. I and I hope you're going to do it for a friendship rate. And he said, absolutely. <laughs> so amazing. basically, the thing is not even yet in the planning stages, but we have one great stand-up comedian already kind of basically locked in. And I'm sure most comedians, too, would do it for pretty cheap just to be, like, a free trip to fucking Finland. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we kind of want to try to bank on, like, this uh, for the sake of comedy and going somewhere new. And also the suggestion from Eddie Bro, like, hey, and maybe then do a live podcast, like, on the uh, YD event is going with some stand-up oh, artists. Yeah. Have you, do you guys record, like, in a bar? Like, have you ever done one in public, recorded in public? Yeah, we did our one-year anniversary in the Aussie bar in Tampere. How did that go? Uh, mightly okay, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I worry about doing those. Um, so I, it's I'm on scary a, as fuck. Yeah, I always worry about that stuff. What well, I would, I would I, feel way more comfortable like having like somebody like Steve McGrew sitting next to me while we're doing that because we are playing so well off each other. Like, as an example, in the latest episode he was on, we kind of did something what is uh, basically like a little radio play. Because uh, we created a, a character Stroke Face. Uh, one side, well, super weak because Stroke. The other side, super strong. And because everybody was so mean to him, always he, become a super, he became a super villain. And now in the latest episode, uh, um, he tries to repent from evil and became our intern. That was like the, the loose uh, framing and it kind of turned into like 15, 20 minutes of like improv comedy bit. That's so, amazing. And do you perform at all? Uh, not yet, not yet, because like it's so rare that he has anything going on. Like open mics are like almost never to find because we don't have comedy clubs in that oh. sense. So, like, if I go in at some point, I'm going to be rather well prepared. And, you know, it's not like if I know you're going to do three minutes, you know, not really the thing. So it's different. So you can't just show up to a place. You have yeah. to, like, find somewhere where you're polished. Yeah, like, if there's one event, then you're going to, it's, I think, that's like once a month or something or once every two months or one. Now, why is... Why are, why is comedy like not so big in Finland? I thought we well, all were laughing. We all do, but maybe nobody has really put something off in a decent way. I don't know. At least not to my knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Because like I, I'm thinking when I was younger, we used to do. I was really into like the punk DIY scene with like uh, music and stuff. But like we would always do these shows who get put on in halls and all that stuff. And I'm like, I'll just do that. But then I'm like, as I think about it, it's like, well, that infrastructure was already put in place before I got mm -hmm. to it. So 
Well, good luck with that, man. I I am very far away, so I have no way to help you. But I hope yeah. I hope you can find a place to perform or take an improv class or just something. Absolutely. I mean, like if anybody who like you know like has has any guy great ideas or contacts or wants to help out in whatever capacity, just write us at like we are not here to please you at gmail.com, You know, if somebody is interested to pull something off in a place where. No international, really no international comedy festival ever happened. We are welcome for every help because it seems like I just uh, forked about the basic and it seems like a pure nightmare to me to get that order <laughs> already set up and secure everything. Yeah, you got to like, get uh, Kevin, and, Kevin and Adam on that too. I mean, like I think I won't have problems actually to get comedians because, well, like, Steve McGrew is like since what 30, 40 years in the stand-up business. He knows everyone, so he can pull some strings as well. I mean, like Eddie Broil, like for so many years the uh, talent coordinator. Yeah. So and the Letterman show, like he has definitely some pull. You know, like I'm not worrying about getting artists. It's more like about securing a location, getting the financing from sponsors, getting the flight tickets, setting the people here up, like seeing what licenses you might need. Um, it's like a lot. Is it just me or comedians tend to be, not the ones that we've interviewed, but sometimes comedians can be the most irresponsible people too, so in terms of like responding to email or getting a passport and stuff like that. So. Yeah, that can happen, I, I guess, because I've, that comes a bit with the territory of being a stand-up, I think, because you don't have this normal structure, uh, structured like daily life. Yeah, you know what book I uh, impulse? I, I'm on vacation this week, so yesterday I, I get very depressed if I'm alone for too long. So by like one o'clock yesterday, I just couldn't be home. So I got in the car, and I ended up driving to this bookstore because I, I don't know, I just needed something to do. And uh, Judd Apatow has a new book out called Sick in the Head, and I bought it, and it would be right, it's right up your alley. Yeah. Have you heard of it? I, I think I hear the title. Does he read the audiobook himself? Because I always like when comedians kind of like... I hope he does. He, um, it's, it's just a collection of interviews he does with comedians. Ah, right. He was on the Adam Corolla show and talked about that one. Yes, yes, I, yes. Now I know where I hear it from. But I feel yeah, like, like you would love it. In in the end, like I love it when like uh, comedians or, or general people that release books actually read them themselves. Oh, that's my favorite. And, and it's just like for me, like you know what I like reading, but actually that adds so much more to it. It's not the laziness factor, definitely a convenient factor. But it just adds a lot to it. I read it in his voice anyhow. Like, right, if I know the authors, uh, I read it in their voice. Anyway, so I do the same thing Just if, if I don't do the audio thing. There's another book that I, I had the, luxury, the honor to interview this person. Um, there's a book called Poking the Dead Frog. And also there's another book called Here's the Kicker, where it's the same idea where it's just uh, conversations with today's top comedy writers and some pretty obscure writers and... For, for I'm a fellow comedy nerd such as yourself, and because it's it's right up your alley. Because I read Poking the Dead Frog, I fucking loved it, and I went to go buy Here's the Kicker, which is the first one, and then I mm. saw Jed Apatow's book, and I was like, well, gotta get that because I'm gonna go to the beach all summer, so I need something to read. <laughs> well, I'm, make sure to uh, now send me the names later over. Yeah, definitely. Well, 
The only author we had so far was Paul Bryan, uh, so Bryan Bishop from the Adam Corona show, the sound effects guy and the sidekick of oh, shit. Adam How Corona. Did you get him? Uh, again, just wrote him, and also in regards, I just, um, because he's also a New York Times best-selling author with the uh, book Shrinkage. Yeah, I, I'm going to fuck up the rest of it, like this blah, 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 manhood and the cancer that tried to kill me. It's a it's an amazing book, and he read the audiobook himself, and I thought I'm going to need to get him on, and he was so kind enough. Well, to grace our show, and since then, I can say we also interviewed the New York Times best-selling author. Wow, that's pretty fucking cool. I've had I've had a few authors on, and it was unintentional, but I'm glad it happened. Um, one time, I actually read I, there's a book I loved, and then I just sent a tweet to the author, and then then magic happened, and they came on. So it's it's cool when that happens, right? Because like you get to become a fan of someone, and then you get to actually talk to them about the thing that you like. Or like, yeah, as example, something similar happened when we had like Kevin Bartini for the second time on, and he told us about Dylan Avila, the Seattle comic that like, got in the beginning of the year attacked on stage with a meta baseball bat. Oh yeah, that's that episode. That's a very good episode. Yeah, and um, well, right after we stopped recording, I basically shot David uh, uh, Avila um, a tweet, and he agreed right away to do our show. And I think through that, we actually got in contact with a bunch of great comedians because Kevin uh, Batini did this uh, benefit gig, like to raise money for uh, Avila. And, well, I just decided once our episode hit the air that I just going to reach out to all the comedians that kind of did this charity gig. You know, like to get it further hurt. And then I thought, like, hmm. Why I'm at it, why don't ask them if they would like to, well, be a guest on our show? And a bunch of them actually agreed on them, like uh, Eddie Brill was one of them. Oh, that's, man, that's awesome. I got to take a page from you, man. I got to get a little more, uh, a little brave with who I ask. Yeah, and also, like, if everything goes good, we're going to have, like, next week, we're going to record with Rich Voss. Also, the producer of, like, uh, Why Women Aren't Funny, the documentary by Bonnie McFarlane. Oh, you're going to have her on? Uh, no, the husband, boyfriend, Rich Voss. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Her. Also, fellow stand-up comedian the and guy producer. Who won, um, the guy who won last comic stand-in. Uh, did he? I think. Because I think, because I watched I'm... that documentary, and the whole thing is about how... He was more famous than she was. Well, not the whole. Oh uh, yeah, it was a great yeah, documentary. I and um, I, you know, I've always heard the thing that like women aren't funny, and I never understood that. And then that movie kind of made me understand. I was like, oh, I get it. I mean, they are funny. It's just, I mean, it's a stupid fucking thing, anyway. And there's definitely not as many women comedians, but but like as they talk about in that documentary, like if there's it's just the ratio thing. Yeah. Yes, if, of course, way more unfunny guys out there, but just simply because more guys are out there doing it. That's how it's going to come across. And some comedians are just dicks. Like anyway, yeah. like any group of people, some people are just dicks. So if there's Absolutely. an open mic night and there's t- ten people, three women, and four of the men are terrible and one of the women are unfunny, then then the entire gender is not funny. Even though it's not the case, it's just there's only three. You only have. You're, it's not a good representation. But like, but you know, I I feel lucky. Like growing up, like with my parents, like. 
my mom and dad and I, like, we always, we loved funny things, but, like, and I don't think my mom was doing this as just a purely feminist move, but I think it was more of things we just love. But I loved Roseanne Barr. Like, I loved the Roseanne show. Mm-hmm. I loved Murphy Brown, Lily Tomlin. Like, I grew up watching fucking hilarious women, and I don't think it was anything other than this is something that we like. Absolutely. Like, I used to and- love Roseanne, uh, minus that last season, but it's fucking great. I still watch yeah. the old episodes. I actually, uh, I wish they would put on Netflix finally the complete run and not this fucking mix-up of just random episodes. Dude, me too. And at one point, the whole series is on there, and I was doing the whole thing, and then one day I skipped to the end, and I forgot how it ended. Whoa, you're in if, if you have not I know. I, I know it's a fucking tearjerker. Yeah, uh, I, like... I, I only seen it once, and I can still remember. I was actually just sitting there, and I'm not that easily moved to tears. But yeah, I'll do I, it. That that definitely did the trick. I I have I would have to lie if I say like that didn't affect me at all. It was beyond fucking sad, and it explains also like why the last season was kind of like this weird thing. Yeah, it wasn't very good, but uh... yeah, no. Well, I think the reason why, like, let's not give it away. Just I know it's not really spoiled because that shit is old as fuck. I only think it's like if somebody hasn't seen it. Yeah, That's an experience you, you don't want to take from away. like 1994 or whatever. I don't worry well, about Primo 80s, I think. It was end 80s, wasn't it? Is it? It starts in the 80s, but it ends in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if I... I don't know if I watched it in syndication or when it aired, but... And that was a... And I never understood the importance of that show, though, because, like, I just watched it because of my parents and I loved it. And then, um... But then it was like the first time, at least in America, you're seeing poor people. Uh, it's the first time you saw gay characters on TV. Well, that's one of the first times I remember seeing gay characters on TV. I and also just remember a seeing totally, a young George Clooney. Yeah. And also like a totally different uh, social well, group being represented, you know? Yeah. With the so, upper yeah. middle class. Working class. I mean, yeah. they, Dan loses, I think, does he lose his business? There's always room worry about foreclosure. Like, that show went many times way too fucking real for a comedy show, actually. Yeah. Oh, so, my God. Like, um, John Goodman was scary as fuck in that one episode when he catches, like, Darlene was, like, um, the dude from The Big Bang Theory. Oh, David? Yeah. Oh, my God. And oh, then he just slams uh, the door and screams. And I was watching that. Holy shit. I whew. almost you know, pooped my pants watching yeah. it. Like, I, I think I would have totally evacuated my bowels if I would have been David in this moment. Oh, my God. And you know what I like, though? I feel like that kind of set a precedent for a lot of comedy that you and I like when we get older. Because, like, that is like Louis. Like, right? Louis is, mm. just goes way too fucking far. And it just explores the depths of sadness and depression in humanity. That's the fucking point of comedy. It's kind of supposed to push the envelope. Kind of makes you... F- supposed to make you think to question things like okay why is a certain thing like that and i used to love seinfeld which had you know julia louis dreyfus who is mm-hmm. now well i never thought i would say this she might be in her best role yet in veep i don't know if you watch veep uh, i didn't yet came around it but i always see it good things it's on my list but there's so much so television out there i forgot what site i'm gonna find it there's a website i just read this article last night uh, and they broke down the joke permit. They do an equation. 
It's on the Den of Geek. It's a real, I just found this website last night called denofgeeks.us. Maybe it's dot us. But they break down Veep's joke per minute. And then they they explain the mathematical equation of how they get a joke per minute. But, like, Veep has the highest joke per minute of any show on the air right now. Like, 30 Rock used to, I think, be the one I thought was usually the highest. And, like, The Simpsons were pretty good at that. But I think... Mm. i got to pull it up. Because there's, there's one episode of Veep, I think... So, like... I think it averages about three to five jokes per minute in Veep. But especially you're going to need to tell people, like, if you watched a sitcom or something like Roseanne or so as a kid, really revisit it as an adult. You're going to see a whole different show. You're going to understand it totally different. It's like not even the same show. In Which that show? In, like uh, things like Roseanne. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you do you notice too? I feel like sitcoms moved a lot slower back then. Definitely, definitely. But I also, think one show one si- show that I n- never really cared as a kid for was like uh, Married with Children. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I, I revisited like uh, two years or three years ago, and actually, it had really solid writing, really solid joke writing. It was very well executed. Uh, I remember always thinking it was way too slow for me. Well, at least I enjoyed it the last time. Well, I mean, I haven't watched it since I was a kid because it's not on Netflix, so I have no way to see it. Yeah, Yeah, I guess guess it's the whole thing that you maybe are not so tuned in into certain jokes they're doing there a lot in. So yes. uh, it's going to feel like a way more lo- downtime to you. I think I'd like because... to see it again. Cause I, and I also, you know, I wasn't married. I don't have kids, but I didn't have, you know, I wasn't old enough to understand half the jokes about being married with children. So your wife also tries to have sex the whole time with you. Ow! <laughs> I just remember the Simpsons <laughs> reference to it. Ow! Let's have mm. sex! No! And then he flushes the toilet. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I mean, I still watch, like, the Simpsons, which I fucking love, but you know what I I do notice like a, a old it's like a show like Roseanne, which was on a network. If that was on again today, that would be on like FX because it would just be breaking the mold and network network TV for the most part. I don't, it's kind of plays it pretty safe. Like all the big network shows, is Big Bang a network? Yeah, that's CBS. I don't. Yeah. I've never seen Big Bang, but I mean I love Fresh Off the Boat. I think that show's really fucking funny. But it's still just like a really basic sitcom. When I'm fine with it, but like, like Malcolm in the Middle was a really cool, innovative sitcom, which was like it's a sitcom, but it broke the mold and it was different. But those sitcoms don't exist on network right now. I, I think it's all gone to cable and like streaming sites. Absolutely, because that's the place to go. And in the end, I think the best choices is actually to go to something like Netflix, because there you're gonna have the artistic freedom. It, uh, only because you could technically show a boob doesn't mean that you're going to plaster the whole show with mm. boobs. Wait, just give me a second. Going to visualize that. I would watch that. But in the end, like, just if that you have the artistic freedom of to express something, because sometimes just a little notch can say way more as just yeah. like dancing around the point or simple things in like shows like Dexter. Ah, oh, I uh, I, I always the first four seasons of Dexter. Well, I definitely loved like how the cops were just like cursing around because like you are working in a horrible environment. 
dealing with horrible people, with horrible visual cues, you know. And, of course, you're not going to be fucking PC in the way you're talking because you deal with horrible shit. So that's like, I love the things like The Shield or, you know, like The Wire, especially like one of the best shows ever. That's, and again, uh, the wire. The, with the wire, it's bad. I, yeah, yeah, the wire got it again. Also, right because they could do what they want. I think the shield would have been better if they could have had that freedom as the wire or like you know Dexter. And the wire didn't have a lot of nudity. Yeah. Oh my God, it didn't need it, and I'm I'm shocked that I say that, but yes, it didn't need nudity. And like the nudity that you'd see, it was never really sexual. Sometimes it was mm-hmm. more of like. Background in a strip club or a dead prostitute or this this show is one of the best shows ever. I mean, like it's just amazing and great writing. I forgot yeah. who said this. This is not my quote, but I someone called The Wire the great American novel. Like it's just like yeah, it's a book. It's a it's a, a televised book. And like and and, 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 and I'm the, not the only one to say that. Like there's a lot of high intellectual intellectual. Um, Intellects who say that that is one of the greatest books ever. I mean, it's not a book, but it gets. Have you seen the mini series done by the same dude, also like about Baltimore? Oh, the one before it, Homicide, or? Uh, no, it was like three, three episodes or so. It was a mini series. Oh God, I know what you're talking about. No, I didn't see it, but I need to. Oh, you, you need to. It it was really that great. That came out it's first, like... I believe. Yeah, definitely, because he was a journalist in Baltimore, and so and in the end of like the miniseries, you have actually the real people that got portrayed in that uh, miniseries, and they're giving a short interview, so you see what the people really look like. And it's kind of like almost the same cast as, well, The Wire. I love David Simon, and he's become a great advocate against the war on drugs. He he's he's worked on some great documentaries. There's uh, the house I live in, which is just amazing. And one of the and one of the scenes in that in the house I live in about the war on drugs takes place like two streets away from where I live. I'm like, huh, yeah. <laughs> weird. I live in a, a nice area. It's just kind of funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. So, but you got all these TV shows growing up in Germany. Were they were they uh, in English or are they dubbed in German? Everything is stopped in German, and I have to say, like um, things like the wire, I haven't discovered till like. I don't know, maybe like six, seven years ago. But that's you and so, most of the world, because I don't think I'm the same way. I don't think anybody watched it when it aired. Not many people watched it when it aired, and like five I think years they after it goes it, off, it becomes huge. Yeah, I think they called it the best show that no, that nobody saw. Never won a single so, award. Yeah, like I think some page called it like in the listing of best shows ever, and so. And they call it the best show that nobody ever saw. Yeah. I mean, 80% of their cast is black. I mean, that has never happened. It still has never happened again. Well, it fits to Baltimore, doesn't it? <laughs> I think so. I've actually never been to Baltimore. No, I think uh, when I, think like, I hear the, that, the, like, that the racial um, I think it percentage is... Very is city, yeah. Yeah, it's a very much in favor a favor of that. Well, have you ever listened group. to David Simon? Like, like I so I, I used I geek out over that guy, and I like find I used to find him do these lectures about like the it's always about the wire, but really all of his conversations just turn into how the wire is just like um, more of a story of America. How like he's like we have two Americas. There's America. There's the other America, which is really just urban decay. And how we just left behind this class of citizens that are mostly poor, dis- disenfranchised, and black. 
and mm. he just is such an intellect about it and just explains how it's like the war on drugs, the factories have left, like all the industry, everything leaves your town, all the rich people leave your town, and all you're left there is with to sell drugs, and then you get caught, you go to prison, and then people make money off you go to prison. And it, Well, so at least... At least you have a lot of empty houses that are boarded up where you can hide bodies in. Yeah, fucking Marlowe. <laughs> Remember yeah. how he gets, he's like, Prop Joe's like, with all due respect, boy, no one knows you're not going back. I respect your <laughs> showmanship. Yo, when Omar died in that show, I fucking love it. Oh my god, don't don't bring that back up. I actually want to go to that. You, I found this thing online where it was like all the locations of famous scenes from The Wire. And I really, I was supposed to go to Baltimore for a weekend, and it didn't end up. Get, have, it actually had to get canceled. But I was like, that was my plan is to go to all of those places and get pictures. Well, that's gonna work well. Like, put out your expensive camera in this fucking poor neighborhood. <laughs> well, good luck to you. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I've read, I saw like they filmed Again. all those in like actual poor neighborhoods. <laughs> Actually, yeah, like that was not meant as an insult to Baltimore or the citizens. It's like, when they, like, they, like you said, they filmed it in actually the more like, well, more dangerous parts, like more the socially, you know, underdeveloped area. So like, it's not even no, yeah, I understand. being mean on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's kind of cool about the show. It's like, that's not green screen. That's like they shot. If they I say it's they're real. in a section eight housing, they're in a section eight housing. It feels just real. It just it, and as well, like it was so well researched and well written, and they put it so much love to detail that it, you just needed to love it. So it's uh, I I might watch an episode today now because <laughs> oh do you have uh, I have HBO Go, so that's how. So I, I I never had HBO growing up, so that's why I never even saw it. So I couldn't watch if I wanted to. And then maybe a couple of years ago, we stole my in law or my friends, um, and then my my in laws HBO Go. So like mm. sometimes when I have time when I have time to watch TV, I just go through HBO and be like, what did I never watch? And then go through it. I'm watching the comeback right now, which is mm. fucking amazing. I did, I find myself like I love drama, I love sad things, I love that, but like. I just watched nothing but comedy all the I didn't realize it until recently. Like, all I ever watch is comedy. Like, I just, I don't know. It just, I like, I love it. But then I like comedies, like we were talking about, ones that don't really make you laugh and they're, like, too serious. Like, the comeback is kind of like the British office where it's, like, it's a comedy, but it's not funny. It's funny because of how awkward it is sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, it's never been a greater time to be alive for, like, the variety of, like, television you can have you can have this serious not funny but being funny because it's being so serious show you can have just flat out slapstick comedy you can have hardcore drama you can have fantasy you have superhero stuff so it's it's just amazing in a moment to be able to just take that all in and i'm actually running out of time the whole time I don't have – and there's still shows I need to watch from, like, 30 years ago that I haven't seen. So, like, I don't know how to keep up. Like, it's how – like, I don't do Game of Thrones, but I do Orange is the New Black. Like, you know, I want to – I feel like I, – I do feel like one of those people, though. I always want to watch what everyone else is watching because I want to have stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm, I'm loving Orange is the New Black right now. But Game of Thrones, just not for me. I love Veep and Silicon Valley. Those are, like, the two HBO shows I'm obsessed with. Well, I'm just about to watch tonight the last two Game of Thrones episodes, so 
because I always wait that it queues up and watch it in one piece. And after that, I'm going to go to Orange is the New Black. I think I just finished Sense8 before that on Netflix. Is that good? Um, be prepared for like two or three episodes where you think like, okay, I see a lot of different people's stories. I don't know how that fits together. I don't know where this is actually going. But it kind of lures you in. It's some, I don't know why, but it has a certain charm. I don't know if it's actually a really good show yet because I think it needs another season or two to actually judge it. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but Netflix is just a fucking great thing. You, you you never know, like, horrible, like, it was... I mean, kids today will never know, like, when you were sick from school and you just had to watch really shitty reruns of horrible shows and daytime television and just a couple of, you know, channels, and it was just horrible. Now, you know, when you're sick home or, you know, injured or something, you know, you just... Put Netflix on and just binge watch a lot of like great entertainment. Well, it's funny because I remember being a kid and like my parents or my grandparents being like, "You kids don't know how good you have it." In my day, we didn't have this cable, mm. <laughs> and we didn't. Have, I, I got to go to my grandparents' house and just like watch Disney Channel, and they're like, "You don't understand how good it is." So imagine being like our parents to go from like no like two channels to Netflix. And my pa- oh my mm. god, and parents, parent people are all, and adults are all about it too. Like, I don't know, if you, I don't have cable. I have Netflix. I pay for Netflix. I pay for Hulu, and then I have the HBO Go that I steal. But I, if that goes away, I will pay for HBO because I have to have it, and I pay less yeah. than I would pay for a cable. Well, yeah, I definitely also. I don't even have my TV wire plugged into the TV. Oh yeah, I don't even have the cable cable like the the free basic cable thing. Yeah, I've never even connected it to. I have two TVs. Well, it's never ever. It's all. It's automatically it goes out of your taxes. Uh, you're gonna have to pay it anyway in Finland, like this general, you know, fee for public television. Mm. So that's coming automatically out of your pocket, even if you don't watch it, because they say even if you have a PC, you you are technically possible to use it, and that's where I reply. So when do I get like you know like money for children you know like i don't have children but i have technically the equipment well you guys get you know, money to make to make some yeah wow yeah you get uh child money i don't know what's really called huh. but yeah like the, the joke is like you know what i technically don't have kids but i have the equipment to make some <laughs> you know that's the logic they apply to why we have to pay like public television fees we don't get uh, we do you watch uh Wow, in our country, you might get maternity leave, and that's about it, and it's not that good. <laughs> and then, well, in fact, you actually, not... it turns out that you lose a lot of money when you have kids in our country. Yeah, I think it's not that you're going to get rich or actually that's enough money, but it's just a helping thing. Yeah, the only way you can get that in our country is if you're, like, dirt poor, and then people who have, and then a lot of people in your, your own citizens will criticize you for having it, even though it's, mm. like... You're mad at someone who wants to take care of a child, so think that through, asshole. Mm. Uh, Finland sounds awesome. <laughs> well, oh, so I meant to ask you this way earlier, but we got, but I'm very happy that we got sidetracked. Um, well, we always do that. It wasn't different the last time. So. Oh yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, because I, we've done this before, but I've listened to your podcast a, a bunch of times. 
I, and I, I, you guys are nice enough to have me on your show. Um, I feel like I knew you enough where I didn't write anything down. So I was like, let's just see what happens, which is my favorite way to do an episode. You're from, Absolutely. you are from Germany, yes? From Germany, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and you, I forgot what you said before, but you were there before the wall fell. Yeah, I think I was like, what, seven or eight when actually like the wall came down. Like, you know, when David Hasselhoff jumped on that wall and sang, um, I've been looking for freedom. You know, just the Why was wall cracked. <laughs> I don't understand. He needed to sing away the wall. Don't you understand? One fucking tune and like, the you know, just the fucking cracks in the wall. And it just crumbled and yeah, eventually it just cool. was a big explosion, you know, and he was just in the rubble. The dust set it and you could see only the blinking lights on his jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Not really what happened, but sounds way better. I feel like it's the original make a thing. sketch about this. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, definitely grew up in East Germany and we also did the episode, what we called uh, Fascism Painted Red. So definitely I recommend to kind of check that one out because there we talk about like a couple of topics like people, how people try to escape and how really limited you were as a human being, what you were allowed to do and how much you got spied on and how horrible like certain drinks were as we mixed on the show containing beer, red wine, milk, uh, raw egg, Fresh grounded pepper and I think salt, and that all in the blender. Oh my god! It looked disgusting, tasted disgusting. Is your family still in Germany? Yeah, they are. How far is Germany from Finland? I think like thousand five hundred kilometers. Is that? Do you need an airplane to get back and forth? Absolutely. Uh, see, I'm American. When you said kilometers, you lost me. Uh, kilometer, I think like, um, well, 60 miles are 100 kilometers. I don't know why we don't do kilometers like the rest of the world either. Yeah, I think big, uh, the lobbyists did it for the simple reason. Back in the day when they tried to introduce it, they were all like, well, it's going to cost us a fortune to change everything, packaging and blah. And, yeah. and the lobbyists kind of just, you know, smashed it away. That's at least my theory, because what makes more sense if you're looking for tools, if you are, oh, I need like a seven, eighth, blah, blah, blah. Or if you kind of look, well, I, I need um, that and that millimeter. You always go in tenor steps. Or like when um, yeah. temperature, like for, for freezing here is 32 degrees, but Celsius it's zero. I'm like zero makes way more sense of something freezing than 32. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, but especially like with measurements, if you go from millimeter to like centimeter, you know, you go like 10 millimeter is a centimeter. So you don't have to deal with like a one, one twelfth or seven eighths. You know, like you don't have this really weird screwed up things like where you have to suddenly to deal with real math in the sense that it becomes inconvenient. Yeah. It just makes more sense. Everything is round, either in 10 or 100 steps. Yeah, you, the rest of the world, you guys are doing things right. What the fuck, America? Because yeah, it <laughs> sucks when you go international and then you're like, uh, kilometers? How do? How does that work? Yeah, but like I said, no, it's like 60 miles. It's like 100 kilometers. 60 mi- yeah, I can't do that conversion in my head. 
<laughs> yeah. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, I only know it simply from like, you know, when they talk about cars, how long they need to go from zero to 60. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the same thing. And, and the rest of the world, they talk about from zero to 100. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. That's how I remember that always. That's good to know. That's awesome. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, where can people find you online and uh, plug yourself away? Well, of course, like our headquarters is we are not here to please you dot blogspot dot fi or uk or dot com. The ending doesn't really matter. It depends on where you are. <laughs> Just change it up. And on Twitter, we are at w a n h t p y. And well, of course, on SoundCloud and like, you know, just type in like, we are not here to please you and we're going to pop up. Yeah, two dudes, black hair, blonde hair guy. And you know what's weird? I had mixed up your bodies because I thought that, I don't know, I just, I've always heard your voices. I saw the picture. I thought you were the guy with black hair. I thought you were R2. Well, you just assume that the Scandinavian guy has to be the blonde one. But, well, the German yeah, guy Yeah, maybe that's what blood. I did. It wasn't, like, a, a conscious thing. It's just, like... It, that comes from all the Swedish porn you used to watch back in the 80s. That, that's exactly... <laughs> yep. But it was just... It's kind of weird. And I don't know if you ever listened to Nerdist Podcast, so I listened to that for a long time, and I confused the two co-hosts, like, and then I saw them, and their voices and their bodies didn't match in my head. I was like, no. What? Then you, then you proceeded to cut off their heads and transplanted them. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming back uh, a second time. And uh, no problem, my work, pleasure. Man. Well, thanks. Have a good What's one. What's what? You have a good one too. <laughs>